It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. 707 on a Saturday morning, 69 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden, my friends. Welcome. I'm glad you're here. This is more fun for me than most of the rest of the week, and it is answering questions about gardening directly with you. And all you have to do is dial 404-872-0750. Or if you're on Twitter, if you can't get on the phone on Twitter, you can hashtag AskWalter. Ashley will go through that. Ashley Frasca, our call screener, will go through that and make sure that the questions on Twitter get answered as well. Again, 404-872-0750. Several interesting questions coming up. We start with Zira in Decatur. Zira, welcome to Lawn and Garden. Hi, how are you? Thanks for accepting my call. Sure. How can I help? Yes, I'm having, I need some great help for my tomatoes. Tell me. Oh, I don't know if they've gotten too much rain or what. And they were full of fruit. Yeah. And uh, they're turning yellow. Okay. The, the vines are turning yellow. The leaves, the leaves are turning yellow. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, the okay. leaves are turning yellow. Yeah. And uh, one tomato rot I found yesterday. Huh. And uh, what can I do to save them? Is it a lot of the leaves there, or just five or ten? Or tell me oh, the it's extent. a lot of the leaves at the bottom. Yeah. Of the plant. Okay. All right. At the bottom, that tells me a lot of what I need to know. There is a particular tomato disease called early blight. That's just the name of the disease, and blight because it wipes them out. If you get on the leaves, it turns them yellow. They have spots at first, and then the leaves turn yellow, and then they wilt, and they fall off. And, boy, it spreads pretty quickly from the bottom up. It spreads from the soil to the low leaves, lower leaves to the next leaves, splash on up the, on up the plant. Early early in the disease spread, you can sort of control it by just picking off the dead leaves and disposing of them, getting them away from there, because that's the infective part of the plant, picking off the leaves and disposing. Oh, take the leaves off? Yeah, the yellow leaves, they're certainly no good to the plant, and they're only infecting, infecting more parts of the plant. Yeah, but what can I do with the fruit? Leave it there? If the fruit is on the plant, generally speaking, I'm comfortable eating the fruit as long as there's enough green leaves left on the plant to ripen the fruit. And yeah. if you remember, I've said this a couple of times there, once the fruit has gotten a little bit of pink on the bottom, once there's a little bit of pink on the bottom of a tomato fruit, you yeah. can actually cut it from the vine and leave it in your windowsill. It will continue to ripen. It will taste as good in your windowsill as it would on the vine. Oh, so keep will? an eye out for that change in pink, the breaker stage, they call it. And if you find that pink, then cut it off and ripen it indoors without having squirrels come and chew it off or you know bad things happen to it after that. So take all the yellow leaves off. As best you can, yes. Now here's the next thing. If it continues to spread, it will wipe out the plant. I There's know. just not any stopping it. And my tomatoes are so beautiful. And if they don't have any pink to them, then they're not going to be worth anything but frying. You can fry the green ones, of course. If you choose to, there is a spray that you can put on tomatoes called Daconil. D-A-C-O-N-I-L. Daconil. Daconil. And you can buy that at Pike. You can buy it from other nurseries and big box stores. But Daconil in the little red bottle that you spray will stop the disease where it is. It won't cure the leaves, of course. It'll stop the disease when it's on the leaves and hopefully keep some green leaves on the tomato to make more little tomatoes for you to eat. Okay, 
so it's not the rain. Well, the rain has something to do with it because it splashes <laughs> the fungus around the plant. So in a sense, the rain does sort of cause it, but it's more the water splashing that is what's the real problem. Okay. Well, you've been a great help this morning. I thought I was going to lose all of them. We'll work so on I'll it. get up now and go start pulling the leaves off. Sure. Decide what you need to do and get it done. Thanks for calling, Sarah. All right. Thank you. Great talking to you. Thank you. Barry is in Maysville in Georgia, and Barry joins us this morning. Hi, Barry. Good morning. Morning, Walter. How you doing? I'm doing all right. What can I do for you? I have uh, just been given the opportunity to let my daughter get married in my backyard. Ooh, Barry, the pressure is on. Oh, it is. And I weed and feed it this year um, with scotch to try to kill some of the ugly grass and overseed it with fescue. And yeah. I had a mix of Johnson grass and Bermuda and fescue and all this other grass that really wasn't good, so... I went back and overseeded. Okay. It did not germinate very well. Hmm. Uh, inordinate amount of rain. I plugged the yard, tore yeah. it up two times, reseeded it. And now in October 7th, I'm going to have a patchy looking yard. <laughs> I'm trying to find an opportunity to cure that temporarily. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. When you overseeded it and didn't didn't germinate, that was with fescue, is that right? Yes, sir. And how, how I, long ago was that? Um... It was probably about six weeks ago. <laughs> what were I going to tell Barry to do here? Fescue doesn't particularly like high temperatures, and that's part of the problem. I'm wondering if annual ryegrass would do any better out there. All right, we got October. Well, Go ahead, Barry. I'm trying to. I'm trying to figure out a germination time to start this process. Somebody had mentioned that before, an annual ryegrass. Uh -huh. Just pretty it up for the wedding. I got exactly. about 200 people that are going to trample it down anyhow. <laughs> exactly. You don't care. <laughs> it really doesn't matter. <laughs> if, it were, look if it were October, I'm thinking around the first week of September, maybe the last week in August, I'm out there with some annual ryegrass and uh, making sure it doesn't dry out if it's dry during that time. And let the ryegrass sprout. It ought to do okay as long as we don't have temperatures in the 95 degree range. In that case, yeah. you uh, sorry, but we got astroturf. We just roll that astroturf out there and let them walk on that. But given good conditions for germination, hopefully the ryegrass will come up last uh, part of August, early September, and be looking real pretty and green, and everybody's happy with the lawn, Barry, when the daughter gets married. Oh, I know she is. She's asked for flowers too, something that will bloom and be pretty in October. And I'm trying to figure backwards the date of time to plant something yeah. that, or put something out to do the same thing. So it's. Just, I would not rely on seeding at that time no. uh, for it. I'm uh, a week before the wedding. I'd go to the local nursery and say, "I'll take two of those, and twenty of those, and five of those, and nine of those, You're exactly and just right. get something that's blooming and pretty." And uh, put it out and be that'd be the end of the story. Thank you, sir. All right, good luck with it, man. Keep your hair All on. Right. We'll see you All soon. Right. <laughs> Thank you. Bye -bye. Having his daughter married in his backyard, and I, oh, I can just imagine. I have a son, I don't have to worry about that. Hopefully, they'll find some other place to get married besides my backyard. Jane is in Druid Hills and joins us. Hey, Jane, good morning. Good morning, Walter. Hey, how can I help? Well. I moved into an older home last March, and um, I have a fully mature two-story 
uh, cherry laurel tree in my backyard, which I love. Good. It's beautiful. It sweeps over my deck, and it's fabulous. But, as you well know, um, it has little cherries oh, on yeah. it, which fell last fall and have now, with especially with all this rain, even with all the mulch under my hydrangeas, those little boogers are germinating yes, everywhere. Do. Yeah, I, I mean, it's like ground cover. Yeah. They're easy to pull up, but um, is there any way that I can pre-emerge them this fall for next year? Mm, no, darling, there's not. <laughs> I was afraid of that. It ain't going to happen. I mean, if you want to go in real carefully and spray the sprouts with Roundup, that's maybe easier than having to pull them. I, I kind of hate to Roundup. Uh, yeah, you know. there's not another solution for you. The With the with the sunshine they comes come the rain. They through so. like three-inch mulch. Yeah, sure. The, the little Just round amazing. cherries, and they have plenty of energy in there. The smaller the seed, the harder times it has to come through mulch. But these are big seeds in those little cherry laurel cherries, and so they can sprout without a lot of contact with the soil. It's in that the little root radical that goes through the mulch. It touches the soil. It says, all right, I'm home free now. I'm here in Jane's yard. I'm going to sprout. Oh, man, hell, I had to sneeze. And there they are for Jane to pull up and mm-hmm. curse. So, so I, that can be my July job, huh? I to, think that is exactly your July just job. Just over pulling, the beds with my bare fist and pull up. Pulling up the babies. Yeah, get down hands and knees and pull them up. Is that the best time to get the most of them? I think most of them will be germinated by then in July. Now, <laughs> yeah, for the for the rest of the month of July, you should, if you get them all up, there should not be any more coming up in Well, I August. wish the birds would eat more of them. <laughs> it's just good. You know, that is one good thing. The birds do eat some of them, so they you don't love have them. And, you know, 100%. I'm a bird lover, and um, for some reason, and I think it, it, we might have had a late frost last spring. We don't have any mulberries this year. Have you noticed? They're not a single one. I have not no. seen any nowhere. Is that the reason? Probably. Freeze is more likely what it is. The March freeze well, well, froze off. Well, it's kind of nice not to have birds. those purple berries all over the deck, but um, <laughs> the birds miss them. So. Okay, well, right, if I can't pre I might as well just get my gloves and go out there today and start doing two more beds. Might as well. I, I wish I had better use for you, but I don't have any better advice than that. Just have to deal with <laughs> okay. it, Jane, as best you can. It won't keep them from germinating. Nah. If they're too big or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much. All right. Good talking to you, Jane. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Coming up in the next few minutes, Ken wants to know about his dainty grass, sharp edges. What is this grass? we got to find out that from Ken. Bill in Smyrna has grubs in the ground with his tomatoes. Erica in Villarica has mushrooms under an oak tree. What causes that? We'll get to them as well as you, 404-872-0750. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellis weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Drier today than it was yesterday, 40% chance of rain during the day. High 80 degrees, low overnight low 72. Tomorrow, a mix of clouds and sun with a high of 88. 
Still stay tuned for the full weekend forecast. It comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Ken, and, no, 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 no. Ken, I had Chad I wanted to talk to because he had an idea for Barry who had the uh, wedding that was coming up. So, hey, Chad, good morning. How are we doing? Doing all um, right. So you had a better idea or sort of a better idea for Barry well, and his wedding and all maybe. That. I don't know. You're the expert. I don't, I don't It might be better. Um, I've got a... I've got about eight dogs up where I live in Jackson County, and I built a dog pen for them a couple of years ago and decided to pull the fence up because all the grass is gone. Yeah. Um, so now I've got some hydro seeding I was going to put down there because it's pretty much guaranteed to grow anywhere from a hillside to a flat area. doesn't really matter. Could Barry use that at the wedding to grow the grass that he needs by October in the backyard? Possibly. Um you know, I hate to say this, but you got to have a real skilled and knowledgeable operator to have a really good hydro-seeding experience. And there are a lot of good ones around town. But I get enough emails from people who say, man, the guy put the hydro-seed in the back. It was green, but it never germinated. It got dry. It just never did quite. The seed, I think, was old and mm, various things like that. So I'm sure there are plenty of good hydro-seeding operators around, and that is not a bad idea, Chad, for... Barry to consider is putting hydro seeding, either the rye or the fescue, maybe. But the advice of the operator is going to be real critical, I think. And if, if the reviews have said that it goes green for a little bit and then fades off into like a brown kind of hay mixture, because yeah. I know the county uses hydro seeding on the side of the road. That's sure. what you see the teal spray coming out of a truck. And for a good two or three weeks, it's plush, beautiful green grass. And and that's all, that's all Barry cares about. Hay. He says, I got 200 yeah. people back here stomping on it, so he didn't care about it after that. So, Yeah. If, well, if he, I mean, if he wants to spray the yard two or three weeks before the wedding, yeah. during that plush green time, yeah. before it kind of dies off and turns brown, I think he'd be good, but who knows? Barry, if you're still listening, Chad is giving you another idea to investigate the hydro-seeding crowd and see if you can get the hydro-seeded grass to come up there and look pretty for the daughter's wedding. Hopefully Barry is listening and taking that advice to heart, Chad. Yeah. I'm just trying to get some grass down where the dirt is <laughs> in the docks, but he's trying to get a, a purpose out of it. Yeah, so right, I hope right, it works right, for him. Right. Well, thank you. Have All a right. great day. All right, you too, Chad. See you soon. 404-872-0750 is the number on Lawn and Garden. Don't forget, if you go to my website at WalterReeves.com, you can sign up for my bi-weekly newsletter. had a lot of good things in it this week including one topic that I have to check with Ashley to be sure I can say the word on the air, because I'm not sure I can say it on the air. But we'll check with Ashley, and I'll tell you about it during the next half hour. How about that? Also, the weekend prize pack. Nope, we don't have a weekend prize pack this week. Won't do that. But nonetheless, at WalterReeves.com, you can subscribe to the newsletter. You can follow me on Twitter, on Facebook, and get all the information during the week. We'll be back after news. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. 736 on a Saturday morning, 69 degrees still outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful in your garden and to learn a little bit every day. That is the important thing, to learn a little bit more every day. And I learned that it is okay. I had to check this with Ashley because she and Jason Byers, the engineer, have to concur that I can use a particular word on the air and not be censored by the 
FCC, but the word fart is legal. Okay, both of them nod, yes, both nod, okay, we, we can go for that. Why would I be using that word on a gardening show? Because a lady sent me these pictures, a series of pictures of white things that she described as eggs growing in her lawn. What are these white eggs that are growing in my lawn? There's some of them clustered together. Some of them are separate from each other by a foot or so. But I just can't quite figure out if they're eggs or fungus. And fortunately, she sent close enough pictures that I could see what the eggs looked like. They are about the size of a hen egg, perhaps a little bit smaller, maybe the size closer to a golf ball, perhaps. And I knew from looking at one of them, at least, that it was a puffball. So I thought, all right, let's look and see what kind of puffball this nice person has. And so I looked up online the various classifications of puffball and came to a guy from the University of Wisconsin, Tom Volk, V-O-L-K. He is a well, well, well-known Internet presence on fungi in general. He has little articles about various kinds of fungi and mushrooms and how to identify them and little information about them and everything. And he had a nice article about this particular puffball. And he said, the reason that I like this puffball is because of the name, Lycoperdon piriformi. Lycoperdon piriformi. He said, the translation is really cool. Lyco means wolf. Perdon means to break wind. Piriformi means like a pear. And so what she has, what this nice lady had, those eggs, those white things, those puffballs that she had in her lawn were wolf fart pear-shaped puffballs, which I just love. I just love that to death. <laughs> I wrote that back to her. Didn't get a response from her. Actually, this just now as we were talking off the air, says, you know, somebody else sent me a picture of that, too, on Facebook. And so we looked on my Facebook feed, and sure enough, there's someone else with those white puffballs, size of a golf ball, a little hole in the top. And if you squeeze them very gently, just squeeze a little tight, like that, a puff of spores will come out of the inside of this puffball. That is how they reproduce themselves, is rain or animals brushing against it or humans going around and pushing and puffing on it will cause the spores that are inside to puff up in a little cloud. They're so light, the wind carries them wherever they want to. And if they fall on a moist place where they can start decomposing organic matter, the fungus will begin decomposing, and then after a while it'll get happy and think, well, I need to bloom. And the way the bloom comes up is as a round, egg-shaped, golf ball-sized thing with a hole in it, which is a wolf fart pear-shaped puffball. <laughs> you didn't think you are going to learn that this morning on a Saturday morning, but you have. If you want to see pictures, go to WalterReeves.com. This is the only time you'll ever hear me say this. Go to WalterReeves.com, type the word fart. It'll be there. All right. <laughs> Erica and Villarica. Speaking of mushrooms, Erica and Villarica joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hi, Erica. Good morning. Good morning, Mr. Reese. Thanks so much for taking my call. We sure do appreciate your advice. And you learned something new, didn't you, today, Erica? Oh, big time. Farts <laughs> on the radio. How can I help? Um, about an 18-inch long mushroom grew under our oak tree, and we do have some small um, mushrooms that are just various types that grow under our oak tree. And oak tree, my husband Eddie and I were married underneath, so oh, it man. has some pretty great sentimental value. I well, just yeah. research online, get you in trouble, you tend to find out morbid things. So 
I just want to make sure that our beautiful oak tree, hmm. which has like no dead limbs, still flourishes Great. beautifully in our forest backyard, is going to live. So, Tell me it's gonna live, Walter. <laughs> how close? Where is this mushroom located relative to the trunk of the tree? Well, if uh, from the trunk of the tree, I'd say it was about oh four feet away. Ah, is it a round mushroom that has a stem coming out of the ground, or is it a shelf kind of thing that's just flat on the ground, or what does it, it look was, like? It was um, large. If you were to take an old sit and spin, I'm aging myself, and you were to flip it upside down, and it were yellow <laughs> with beautiful red um, markings on it, uh-huh. and get it hot in the center so that it would dive down a little bit into a cup shape. Wow, that's very descriptive, Erica. Very nice. God bless my English teacher mother. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Um, but that was uh, what it looked like. It did have a stalk. It was okay. not a long stalk. I would say most of it was the the flower of the mushroom okay. um, that alerted me to the most um, danger. Is and it a single one or bunches of them in a the, in the grouping there? We've seen... We've, We've seen a couple of them that are small that aren't nearly as grandiose. More of the small, um, yeah. uh, sort of like Smurf type mushrooms <laughs> at the base. Your mother this taught you that. One. Okay, a Smurf type mushroom, right? <laughs> um, right. The little, yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, let me. Here's one, here's large one on the trunk. Uh, not on the trunk, but on the root that was coming out of the ground. Yeah. About four feet from the trunk. Does that make sense? Yeah. All right, so we already know something from my talking about the puffballs earlier, that a, a fungus decomposes organic matter and then blooms. So that's what you're seeing now is the bloom of something decomposing underground, a piece of the tree, a root, a piece of the trunk, something not even connected to the tree. Who knows? It could be a two-by-four left when the house was built. We don't know. But something is being, being decomposed underneath the ground, and the mushrooms are coming up and blooming. Mm-hmm. So if it were really close to the tree, if it were a shelf coming out of the bottom of the tree, that would not be good news because those shelf fungi most often, in my experience, are attached to fungi decomposing the interior of the trunk and weakening the interior and the tree might be unstable, might fall down. Not a good situation for you. On the other hand, if it's far enough away from the trunk, if it's two to four to five maybe feet away from the trunk, maybe there's a dead root. Died for reasons unknown. Erica parked her truck underneath there. We don't know, but nonetheless, the, the root is uh, is dead, or something is dead there, and the mushroom is blooming after the after the fungus did its job. So, my feeling is, and do not take this as being an expert's advice, but my feeling is that the tree is doing pretty well. That the tree is not going to fall down tomorrow, and not going to ruin your wedding memories of years ago. On the other hand. It would be, if you really, really value this tree, really want to know what about the health of this tree and maybe some other trees in the front yard that you don't want yep. to lose, yep. call call an arborist. They've got these certified arborists who are, in other lives, tree huggers. A certified, ISA certified arborist is somebody who loves trees and does not want to take down trees, but will tell you the truth. And if the tree is in danger of falling, they'll tell you. If the tree is not in danger of falling, they will tell you. And they take enormous amounts of training to learn how to diagnose tree health problems. 
I would go find a ISA certified arborist person, man or woman. There's several of them around the town, and just say, "Come out, look at my trees, give me a report," and hundred dollars is well spent. That is wonderful. And with the lake being right next to it, is there anything I can put around the base of it to ensure that the beavers who live in the tree <laughs> next to it stay away from it? Boy, you are so smart to think about that. Uh, the only thing that I think of is pretty easily deterring beavers to you is um, um, not chicken wire, but the welded wire, the hardware cloth. And I would get a roll of hardware cloth at least two feet or maybe two two-foot-wide rolls and wrap it around the trunk loosely twice, so you have at twice. least four feet high around the trunk of the tree that when the beaver takes a bite into the tree trunk, he thinks he gets into the wire instead. Gotcha. Uh, well, thank you so much. We appreciate you. Good luck with that. And yes. have fun and get that ISA person out there and take a look at it. Will do, for sure. Thanks. Thanks for calling, Erica. Bye-bye. It's 745. Whose turn comes next? Bill. Bill's out of Smyrna, Georgia. Hey, Bill. Good morning. Walter, top of the morning. Top of the morning to you, Brother Bill. What's up? I got a question for you. I uh, planted a tomato plant, uh, had a woodchuck ate the top of it. I dug the thing out, and lo and behold, I found seven or eight grubs there. Wow. So what I need to know is how do grubs, do they stunt the growth of the plant? Do they eat the roots? How do they harm plants? Possibly nothing at all. Grubs, in the in general, grubs do eat the roots of plants, but there are few grubs that eat the roots of tomato plants. These grubs may be there because they just happen to be in the same vicinity of your tomato. I can't say that the grubs were to blame for any health problems on the tomato at all. Okay. So uh, if you're trying to treat grubs, yeah. Basically, there's something that you put in the ground before you plant it. Is that a, is that a true statement? Either way, sure. You can plant before you plant or after you plant either one. With There are certain insecticides that are ground applied that are safe for use in a garden that you can put down for grub control. Yeah. All right. Got one more quick question. Squirrels. They're hey. eating my tomato plant. Yeah, mine too. What do you do about it other than try to trap them with have a heart trap and a pellet rifle? Any other suggestions? I have no other solution. I have not yet found a repellent that worked worth a darn. I have yet to find a repellent that you could hang or paint or spray or anything like that. My solution is simply to take as many as I can, as fast as I can, away from my garden and hope that during the time that the others are finding their way back into my garden that, they, uh, that there's a time for a tomato to ripen during that. But they eat them up. The chipmunks and the squirrels have eaten already probably half a dozen tomatoes. I've taken away... One, two, three, seven chipmunks and I think five or six squirrels at this point. I've taken them out of my garden. There's still chipmunks and squirrels in the garden eating tomatoes. Now I've got the same problem. The bad part about it is you've got to pick the tomatoes early, and, and yeah. then you don't get the buying right taste. Well, now, 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 you heard me say, maybe you didn't hear me say a while ago, Bill, if you can pick a tomato when the bottom part of the tomato fruit has turned pink, when it's at the breaker, it's called the breaker stage, after okay. it has turned pink, you can cut it off the vine, and it will continue to ripen in a warm window, and it will taste just about exactly like it would if you left it on the vine for the squirrels to eat for the next week. So consider, if it's turned pink a little bit, harvesting, putting it in a window, and let it ripen by itself. Does it help putting it in a brown paper sack? Does that ripen it any? I might try it and see. Let me know. 
Try it and let's, let me see if that's the experiment you want to try. I would love to know the answer for that. Thanks for calling, Bill. we got to get out of here. 748 at News Talk WSB. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves and the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. The rain hangs around just a little bit today. 40% chance of rain today. High in the 80s, mid-80s, 86 degrees, low overnight, 72. Tomorrow makes the sun and clouds high of 88. Stay tuned for your full weekend forecast in 10 minutes, as well as that all-important July 4th forecast here on News Talk WSB. At 7.53, Ashley Frasca has rid, has read through, has ridden through, has read through our <laughs> Twitter feed. And if you have a question, you can hashtag Ask Walter. And has found a question she thinks would be interesting. Ashley, what we got? And we also tweeted the uh, wolf fart puffball thing. <laughs> so if you missed that conversation, that was pretty funny. We tweeted that, so find that on Twitter, too. Yeah, we'll see how that, <laughs> That's not something you hear every day, is it? See how viral that one goes. Alright, so what do you got on, on Twitter? Alright, so Helen used the hashtag AskWalter on Twitter, so we found her question. We had one similar about a maple or earlier in the show, but this one, I have a crepe myrtle coming back from being cut down. Now there's about 50 shoots that are each maybe, or suckers, maybe about two feet tall. Mm-hmm. I want one to become a small tree. So how does she pick which sucker to keep? I would say as long as small tree means something less than 10 feet tall, she'd be safe to choose the strongest, straightest. Maybe not one, maybe three is what it, I think looks nice. Get three of the strongest, straightest sprouts that come up from the stump of her old crepe myrtle and cut away everything else as close as she possibly can to where they originate off of the stump, off of the trunk. And when the three grow, when they've gotten eight or so feet high, clip them if they have not started branching, but get them so that they do not exceed 10 feet tall. Because as I explained to our caller earlier this morning, much higher than 10 feet, those sprouts are not attached really strongly to the ground. And higher than 10 feet, if this is one of the tree form crate myrtles, I'd worry that eventually it'd get to 20 feet and then bang, boom, it comes down because it's not attached very well to the, to the soil. So 10 feet high, make it a tree, 10 feet high, she's fine, choose three. And be done with it. I think that would work. And then you leave all three once they're eight feet tall? I think so, yeah. three. It just seems like single-trunk crepe myrtles, to me, don't look as nice as multi-trunk crepe myrtles. I just like the way they look. That's my prejudice about crepe myrtles. I think the more than one looks better. Thank you. You're welcome. So another question coming in from Tom. And we've got time for Tom. Tom in Dunwoody joins us on the phone. Hey, Tom. Good morning. <coughs> Good morning, Walter. I haven't talked to anybody yet. Hey, go ahead, Tom. Um, got a stand. Got a house with a monkey grass. What's the correct name for it? A monkey grass. Okay. <laughs> old, old, old stand monkey grass, but a grass, a creeping grass, has gotten into it, uh. and. Other than going in and physically just pulling and pulling and pulling, is there any other thing you suggest? That's tough, 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 Tom. There are few and far between any herbicides smart enough to know a grass from monkey grass. 
to tell the part of different from each other. To be okay. honest, your best bet, I think, is going to be to round up and replace or dig out and replace. Trying to use chemicals is not great. Pulling it out is going to be every afternoon. Tom's out there pulling the weeds out of the, or pulling the grass out of the liriope, the monkey grass. So if you really want to rejuvenate it, I think dig it all up and replace it or round up and replace. Either one works, but that's what I would do. Okay. When I know you cut the, the monkey grass in the fall. No, it's sometime uh, between September and next January is when I do it. But anyways, in the fall, yeah, in the winter. Yeah, any time in that period of time. Would that uh, possibly kill, take care of that grass, or is it just in there? It depends on what grass it is. If it is Bermuda or Zoysia, a creepy, thin-bladed grass, nah, mowing's not going to hurt it. Okay. Yeah, it's creepy. It's when you pull it out, it's got a long shoot. Yeah, Bermuda grass. You got Bermuda grass in there, and no matter how many times you mow Bermuda grass, it's going to come back. That's what it does. Oy. Round up and replace, pull and replace. Those are your options. That's the ones you got, Tom. It pays your money, it takes your choice, it takes my advice. It's 7.58. We'll be back after news. <laughs> 